Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. Today's podcast topic is rationalization. And we'll talk about how we all rationalize. Sometimes it's very, very healthy and we should be doing it. And sometimes we rationalize away from doing healthy things. And where I really want to focus is on that, where we rationalize and rationalize and rationalize at the detriment to our health. And the bottom line, if you don't listen any farther than the next minute, is that I want you to self-reflect. And if you are constantly, we're all constantly rationalizing, but if you are consistently rationalizing over longer periods of time towards something else other than your health, then try and make a change and try and do a little better, even if that means just doing something one time for your health versus no time. And ultimately, it's about trying to manage your time and prioritize your time so that you can change your lifestyles so you can prioritize health high enough on your list so that you focus on it at least some days versus no days. And if you're doing it zero times, do it once. If you're consistently doing it four or five times and you want to do it more, great. If you're doing it five times and you're like, you know what, that's too much, I'm suffering in other areas of my life via my rationalization, then reduce that to three. Try and find the right balance. But that's the biggest takeaway I want you to have. We'll talk about various type of rationalizations here and we'll have just a general discussion. Enjoy. Okay, I thought I would read through some rationalizations I hear frequently. Take a listen to these, see if any of these apply to you. And, you know, when I put these together, I did a self-reflection and said, you know, I can do a little better here or this rationalization totally makes sense and I don't need to do better. And that is me doing better. But I thought I'd read through some of these and, you know, you can decide what you think. One, it's okay to focus on my health tomorrow instead of today. Two, My career is much more important than my health. Once I become more successful and established in my career and create wealth and have lots of money, I can focus on my health. This one I see all the time, particularly type A personalities across financial consulting, lawyers, hedge funds, investment bankers, venture capitalists, etc. But what happens is that they say this, my career is much more important and I'll focus on my health eventually. But those same hard-charging people end up charging and charging and charging, and they're in their 30s and 40s and 50s, and I see many of these people in their 50s and 60s doing the exact same thing they did when they're 20. Now, if that's you, I would say try and fit in your health also. You have more money than you'll ever need. You can retire, so try and be a little more balanced. Take the foot off the pedal a little bit. Focus on your health a little more. Three. I exercise so I can eat whatever I want. Four, I have bad genetics. I'm overweight because of my genetics. I'm frequently injured because of my genetics. I'm not achieving my health and wellness goals because of my genetics. I am slower as an athlete because of my genetics. I get injured more because of my genetics. I don't recover quickly because of my genetics. I get sick more because of my genetics. I have higher cholesterol because of my genetics. And it could go on and on. And yes, genetics definitely play a role. Sometimes it plays a humongously big percentage of our health role, and sometimes it's smaller. You know, um, I have all kinds of health issues, and I'm sure my genetics play some role, mutations play some role, but I don't use it as a crutch, and I don't make excuses. I know that if I, and the reason I am better probably than most people is because I have Crohn's, I've been in the hospital so many times, and I could blame the genetics, but instead, 
I don't. I try and do well across different pillars. And I accept that, yes, my genetics are a contributor. The way I think about it in my head is they probably contribute to about 20% of my issues. And so I got to make up the other 80%. And it is possible. And of course, when something happens to me, which inevitably it always does, I accept it and just try and stay on the program. Five, there's nothing I can do to be healthier. I've tried so many times. Six, I feel like crap when I sleep more than seven hours. So I don't need to sleep more than seven hours because the way I'm feeling tells me everything I need to know. Now, the only comment I'll make to this is I felt that way. I used to say the same thing. But if we can get over the hump, if we can sleep seven hours or more consistently most nights, get on a circadian rhythm, it does, you do flip over the hump. And then once you get over the hump, you no longer can sleep six hours and feel good. And that tells you that your body is now used to sleeping more than less. And that is something that is super, super, super important. Seven, I can take a few puffs of a marijuana or vape stick and it's not smoking. So it's not going to hurt my lungs in the same way. Eight, I'm very healthy, even though it is quite obvious that the person is overweight or unhealthy in some way. I hear this, this one I hear a lot, this rationalization of I'm healthy or my doctor says I'm healthy, so I'm healthy. You really have to self-reflect and take a look in the mirror. And it's not just about the way we look, it's also about the way we feel, it's also about our blood work, et cetera, et cetera. Nine, it's okay to move less during the day because work is more important. My only comment to that is you can move and you can have work be important, you can do both. 10, I have a standing workstation so I don't need to move throughout the day. As long as I stand, I'm fine. 11, that consistent high stress every single day for long periods of time is okay for our career and it's okay for us overall. 12, that being extremely busy all the time isn't detrimental to our health and stress levels. 13, that not going to the doctor is okay because I feel fine. 14, that I'm healthy because I'm lean. And we know that just because we're lean doesn't mean we're healthy under the hood. 15, I'm healthy because I look good. It is better to look good than to feel good. Well, that's really not true anymore, even though Saturday Night Live might say it is. That it's okay to exercise, okay not to exercise because I walk. That cardio is important to my health because I do strength training. Or that strength training isn't important because I do cardio. Ideally, we're doing both. We're doing, you know, more cardio than strength, but we're doing strength at least a couple days a week. That staying up late to watch an extra show is okay because I don't need as much sleep as other people do. I feel fine when I sleep less, so I don't need to sleep more. 21. My doctor says something is fine for me, so it must be okay. Even though you know... It probably isn't. 22, the pain in my abdomen is nothing. It will go away. There's nothing wrong with me. And then never get it checked out and then something bad happens and they're sick or I heard a story this past week of somebody doing that and they ended up dying. 23, sleep aids. I, can, I can't sleep without sleep aids. Can't imagine doing so. Yes. 24, alcohol. Two or three drinks a day is totally fine. Even three or four. 25, I'm in such a hole that I can't dig out. I'm ashamed of myself and ashamed to look in the mirror. 
my comment to this is you can always dig out. The body is incredibly, incredibly resilient. And if you just focus on doing a little better, it can recover faster. I don't need to eat fruits and vegetables. My blood work is great. My doctor says I'm not overweight and I feel good. We always need to eat fruits and vegetables. We should eat mostly plants. And the last one, 27, is one where people say, my blood work is good. My doctor says my blood work is good. Even though a lot of the blood work comes back out of range, high or low. I think it's only 2.5% at the high end of the range and 2.5% at the low end of the range. And the blood work is based on stats and it's based on blood work from lots of unhealthy people in the country. And so if your cholesterol is high above levels, I would say it's probably even higher. You know, if you, if you have certain glucose levels or inflammation levels or A1C levels or vitamin D levels or B12 levels or many other uh, ranges, if it's out of range, you should take that seriously. And, 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 I, and I, you know, I'm not a doctor and doctors, doctors look at it and if it's at the bottom end of the range, top end of the range, borderline, maybe just a little high or just a little low, it's probably okay. But I would want to, I do, when I see that, I want to do better. And I know that when I hunker down on food and sleep and exercise and movement and time management and stress management and all these different things, that is how we can be healthier. And we can, um, if we're doing those things, we have more leeway in making mistakes. But, you know, we want to do as well as we can. But of course, we rationalize multiple times a day about doing one thing versus another, focusing on one thing versus another. We rationalize in our job, we rationalize with our health and wellness, we rationalize with our personal life, with our hobbies, pretty much everything, right? And for me, I set lots and lots and lots of goals and I expect to achieve some and to not make some and I rationalize very frequently about which ones I want to achieve and which ones I don't. So for example, you know, I try and do things that are healthy, right? When, and that's what I want to talk about on this podcast. I want to talk about rationalization as it relates to health, you know, and I think it's, it's really important to try and find balance in life. And so, you know, there are going to be many times where there's absolutely nothing wrong with, and I encourage rationalization. It might be that you have something going on at work or a big project, or you have to write reviews, or, you know, you're trying to get ahead and, you know, you might rationalize, you might fully think you're going to go and do something with your health. And then, you know, you rationalize, well, I need to do this for my career. And I would say that's healthy rationalization and something we should do. I think what I see are the extremes in people where they rationalize that they need to get ahead with their career, totally cool, but they do that over and over and over again. They don't have balance and they end up working all the time, not sleeping, not exercising, not moving, high stress. And where I want people to be is somewhere in the middle. And and the reason I want to talk about this topic is I want people to be aware of their rationalizations, right? We talked about the tomorrow syndrome, which... I'll do something tomorrow, I'll do something tomorrow. I guess that's a type of rationalization. Um, and I should call it the next year syndrome or, or the next decade syndrome for many people. And, and I think the rationalization kind of is, is interesting to talk about as a second topic related to that. And what I want to see from people, totally fine, rationalize one thing or another, but if you're doing that over and over and over again and you are not... Uh, focusing all on your health, you don't have balance. And I'm just saying maybe one of those times a week, start with one of the times a week where you're rationalizing something towards something else that is not your health. Take a step back and, and say, okay, I know I'm, I know I'm doing it. I know I'm doing it. I am going to make a change. 
to my lifestyle so that I don't do it all the time so I can move myself a little more to the middle and not be so one-sided with whatever it is I'm rationalized about. And for most people that might be uh, their career. So I looked up the definition of rationalization and Webster's Dictionary says, the action of attempting to explain or justify behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these are not appropriate. And it says, most people are prone to self-deceptive rationalization. I'll read it again. The action of attempting to explain or justify behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these are not appropriate, most people are prone to self-deceptive rationalization. Sound familiar? It does to me, and I think it will for pretty much every single one of us. What I thought might be helpful are for me to go through the most common rationalizations I hear from people. I've been hearing these for years. Some of these are my own. Some of these are from other people. Every one of us has our own rationalizations. I thought I would read through a handful of them. And what I want you to do is to self-reflect. I want you to say, yep, I do that one. And maybe I'll improve upon that one. Or, yep, I do that one. I'm fine with it, right? But do your self-reflection and figure out if you think that maybe you do it enough such that uh, it meets the definition uh, of rationalization, trying to justify with logical reasons, even if they're not appropriate. And make a commitment to make a change. Even one change makes a big difference. Rationalization. (laughs) (laughs) And last week we talked about the tomorrow syndrome, right? Which is, you know, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. But there's also this, like, I'm going to rationalize not doing something related to my health. We all rationalize all the time. Actually, when I think of rationalization, I think of actually my headset, my mindset during a Ironman or during a marathon where I came into the race thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to run a BQ here. I'm going to run a fast race. And then I'm cruising at the 13 mile point, And then by the 15 mile point, I'm hurting. And there's no way I'm hitting that goal. Of course, I set like 10 goals in my head, right? So I start to rationalize. Okay, the second goal is okay. And sometimes, and Emilio, you know this, sometimes I'm down at the seventh goal, you know, like, okay, if I can't get this and I'm going to get this and I'm rationalizing it. And, you know, but I see it more frequently. And like, somebody will say to me, my grandma lived to be a hundred and she smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And I don't have to exercise. She never exercised. You know, so then people rationalize that they don't have to exercise or they don't have to eat well or they don't have to do things. And like what I want really for people is to when they do that rationalization is to just just remember the reason why focusing on our health and wellness is so important. Why sleep is so important. My company, we just had this presentation from a person today that was talking about like being healthy and mentally healthy and all these things. And the first thing he said was sleep. Number one, he said, if we don't sleep and we don't get the right amount of sleep, we can't be successful in anything. The next thing he said was exercise. The next thing he said was nutrition. You know, he he had this survey and he said, are you always aware of what you eat and what you put into your body? Yeah, I mean, we're always aware of it. Sometimes we're rationalized, right? And sometimes we eat the good stuff. So I I rationalize um, not, you know what, I'm pretty good about. I mean, you know, you know, with the, I, I get so much out of exercise and that and nutrition. I think I do fine. Definitely rationalize with the, the, the wine drinking. I love, you know, it's, you know, COVID is happening. Things are crazy. Need to relax. I exercise. Therefore um, I can drink, you know, pretty much as much wine as I want to. Yeah. Uh, 
right? I know I'd be healthier. You know, on some level, I know I'd be healthier if I was able to uh, drink less or not at all. But uh, definitely do do rationalization there. Yeah, look, I think with the alcohol, like, um, I think many, many people rationalize, but you are so good in so many other areas that, you know, you can allow yourself to have a few drinks every now and again. For me, what, what are you doing? There you, you know? go. I am. I am. Well, the key is you just want to make sure that, you know, it's not impacting other areas of your life. Or, I Absolutely. mean, I've, the biggest issue I have with alcohol is, <laughs> is that um, sometimes when we drink too much alcohol, we don't really sleep. We're kind of numb and we don't get the cycles of sleep that we need. You know, that why, why we sleep book talks about it. And Absolutely. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's what I worry about. It's not like I'm, you know, acting crazy or can't get up in the morning or feel funny or anything else. It literally is. I, I do know from wearing my aura ring that there are implications um, for, uh, from a sleep perspective. So that's really the only thing I, I worry about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I hear rationalizations from people around, you know, it's okay to move less because work is more important. My career is more important, you know. Um, now, at certain points in time, these are true things. At right. certain points in time, your ambition, your career is more important. Creating money is more important, right? Um, so I'm not saying that uh, it should always be your health because that's ridiculous, right? Um, right? Right. So, but we got to try and be well-rounded. Um, anything from you, Sarah? Um, I like to rationalize uh, coffee. <laughs> and I mean, it's become a little ridiculous at this point. I was actually just looking at my sink and I had 10 carrot cups in there. <laughs> Not all from today, but yeah, you know that, but I do, I mean, if I'm being honest, which I am being honest, my, my like thing that I let myself get away with, I love Coke, Coca-Cola. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if I, and I don't do it all the time, but it's just like, you know, there'll be days when I, usually when I'm stressed out, if I have, if I, I have a Coke, like pretty much everybody knows that there's some kind of stress going on <laughs> because that's like my thing that I do to cope. Cause I'm like, what else do I have? <laughs> I don't totally. drink. I don't do drugs. I'm vegan. I train like what I'm having a Coke. I don't care. Exactly. But you know, it's um so I don't know if that's really rationalization, but it, I do let it like, you know, sometimes I'll let it go a little far. So totally understand. You know, I hear other rationalizations. These are the ones I just took some notes before this. I'm healthy because I'm lean. Uh, you know, the, so I don't need to exercise. I don't need to take care of myself because I'm already skinny and I'm already lean, which, you know, it's not just about the way we look. It's also about what we look like under the hood. So you know, I, I don't need to exercise because I move and I walk everywhere. I hear that one again a lot where people aren't doing any strength training and people aren't doing, you know, any, anything to elevate their heart rate. Um, there's the rationalization around sleep aids that I hear a lot. Uh, you know, I wish that people would get off the hardcore sleep aids like Ambien, but I see many people that are taking, I've taken Ambien in the past when I've been sick or, you know, going through Crohn's flares or in the hospital and that stuff hangs you over and is not good. Right. And so getting, trying to get off that stuff is, is uh, I think good. Now, when I talk about sleep aids, I am not talking about melatonin. Melatonin can be healthy in some instances. You should refer to your doctor and ask your doctor about what your dosage should be and also how long you should take it. 
but on my app, I specifically ask a question about, did you take a sleep aid last night? And if it's one of the hardcore, addictive, controlled substance sleep aids, I, my app dings you two sleep grades on that day. Just based on all the research I've done, it is extremely unhealthy. But melatonin is something the body naturally creates, uh, and I do not ding people for taking melatonin. Now, I have read some things that one perhaps can take too much melatonin or can get more of a tolerance to it, which is why I'm not a doctor. I encourage you to talk to your doctor about it. I hear people that are clearly hurt, um, that are clearly overtraining, and they rationalize that they are not hurt. So they continue to train. And then what happens? They end up getting a stress fracture or get, end up getting, they're always hurt or always have niggles. Sarah, you and I have talked about like sometimes our whole body hurts. You're a little different because you were a you know, competitive gymnast. Uh, I worry about my daughters having the same issues you do about being a competitive gymnast and beating the bodies up. But the, the, the overtraining is I hear the rationalization of that all the time, which is, you know, I'm not hurt or I'm not going to be able to achieve my goal unless I train really hard all the time. That's why the metabolic efficiency training to train easy is so spectacular because you can go easy and get faster at the same heart rate and you don't get hurt as much. Right. So there's a reason why you can go out and run every day. Whereas if you go out and run hard every day and then you're, I'm not hurt. I rationalize I'm not hurt, but then I get hurt. Um, and when we talk about injuries, we really need to change our mindset to some degree when it comes to training for event or just what is needed by the body in general if we're not training for something and we're just trying to be healthy. And, you know, some of us kind of have this kind of obsession with if it's not a hard workout, then it's almost meaningless. You know, if, if it's super easy, it doesn't have the same benefits if it's super hard. And I used to think that way. I used to have that module attitude. But I, and I've talked about this for many of the podcasts we've had here, that is just not true. As long as we elevate our heart rate and uh, we're getting a sweat going, we can breathe you know, pretty easily in and out through our nose, even though everyone says to me, and me included, I can't breathe in and out through my nose. I haven't been able to do that for 20 years. But if you try over time, you are able to do it more and more. It might mean that you have to blow your nose while you're working out, or if you're outside, you might have to blow the snot rockets. Um, but you can clear your nose and it, and I would encourage you to try and train to breathe in and out through your nose. When I do my runs, I don't even open my mouth, even on some of my harder runs now, because I've trained my body to become more efficient at a metabolically efficient at burning fat. A lot of this is mindset. We have to accept that as long as we are elevating our heart rate and or doing strength, that we are going to get benefit from it. And, you know, if our body is hurting, if our knees bothering us, our ankles bothering us, we have shin splints, you know, our hip hurts, our hamstring hurts, anything hurts, whether you're a runner or you're not a runner, whether you're doing running, CrossFit, anything that stresses the body, uh, regular weightlifting, we have to listen to our body. And I hear this rationalization all the time from people. I just got to, no pain, no gain. I got to punch through it. But I mean, my view now is um, no pain, all gain. Right. So that's the kind of way I think to think about it. And if you can change your mindset so that if you do have those niggles, cross train, do something else. If you want to qualify, if you let's say you're a runner, you want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And your view is I got to run five days a week. I had this one friend who when he was training for a marathon, he's trying to qualify for Boston. He knew what his run was going to be in 16 weeks, no matter what. 
and he was going to stay to that 16-week training no matter what, What? which is absurd. I used to think that way. You get a Hal Higdon training plan, 17, 18-week training plan, and you follow it. Four, day, four, four miles today, off tomorrow. Five, day, five, five miles off, rest. But it's really the body only knows about getting its heart rate up, and it really is listening to the body and the rationalization around um, the kind of obsessive mindset of no matter what, I got to get this workout in is something I would encourage every single person to get around. There are, I, I, I coached one person where we were training for a 56 mile race in South Africa called Comrades, which is an amazing race. If you ever want to do that race, I'm happy to talk about it. And she had every day I'd ask her, how you doing? How you doing? Fine. Do you have any pain or twinges? Nope. When one day she said, I have pain and twinges. Okay. How long has it been going on for? Uh, it was about a month, but I didn't want to tell you. Now, I instantaneously would have had her stop running, which is why I asked the question every day, but instead she felt like she had to run in order to train for an ultra marathon. And what we did is we got her, she didn't run for the last six to eight weeks before a 56 mile race. She only ran maybe one to three times. And she was doing the elliptical. We extended the duration on the elliptical. We got her in certain heart rate ranges. And then she was doing the bike, some hard bike training, um, indoor bike, like a Peloton type bike um, or bike class. She was doing those really hard. And she ended up, uh, even despite the fact she only ran one to three times in the eight weeks before a 56 mile race, she ended up finishing that race. Now she is a very tough person and she was, and she was hurting during that race. And we found out she didn't get her knee checked till after. Uh, and we found out that she actually had two or three different things wrong with it, including a strain and a tear. And so, you know, that just, now she probably shouldn't have run that race, but she had a goal and she, she decided to do it. But that just proves to you, you can change your mindset. You don't have to run every day to accomplish something. And I would encourage when you think about that rationalization, when you're starting to get the twinges, your body is telling you something. And by the way, if it is twinging, it's been twinging now. Um, that means the injury has been there for a while. It doesn't show up. Usually injuries start and they might be brewing for four weeks, six weeks sometimes. And when they show up, they're there, bam. And then all of a sudden you look down at your foot and you're like, man, I got a stress fracture of my foot. Man, my shin splints are so severe, I can't run, run or ride a bike or do anything. Whereas if I would have listened to my shin splints, you know, I would have had a week or two where I could have cross-trained and I could have kept going, right? My goal is always to do something every day, no matter what. And I just, when I wake up in the morning or when I go to bed at night and if my, I have shin splints or I feel like I got a Jones fracture coming back in my foot, I'm like, okay, that feels like a three-week thing to me. I'm not running for three weeks and I'll start doing the elliptical or I'll start walking stairs. I'll start doing something that I know is not going to injure me more. I have a question for you. I have a theory. Sure. So, um, I, and I, I could be totally crazy, but I, you know, obviously moved back up, up here from South Florida. And I swear to you that being up here and out of that humidity, I swear my body hurts like 10 times more than it did when I was down in Florida. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I can't think of anything else because nothing has changed. And it's it, like, it may be that the heat and humidity actually lubricate your joints a little more. And then when now in your back, you know, home and it's colder, maybe you don't get the same lubrication. It also could be stress from the move. You know what I mean? It, it could be just inflammation into your body and, you know, maybe, you know, you have stress and maybe you're eating more processed food. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that might be the case, but I know that when I am down in Florida and I am running consistently, I do feel the same way. Like I just feel more lubricated in my body. 
So I did some quick research to see if there's anything out there about moving from one climate to another, whether or not that might um, have any impact on our joints. And what came up a lot in the search was arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and inflammation. And I think the bottom line that there wasn't a consensus, although they did do some studies. And in some of those studies, some people moving from one atmosphere to another People did have gains, as Sarah described. It also said that it might just be that, you know, if we're in a warmer climate, maybe we're outside more and we're getting more vitamin D and it could be due to the vitamin D. It could be that we're moving more and we're outside more. And so we're, we're just getting more movement, which could contribute. It could be that our stress level is lower. We're just, there's more sun outside. And so we're just happier in general. Uh, but my overall opinion is if something is working, keep doing it. And if it doesn't work, don't do it. So this concludes our podcast this week. It's all about rationalizations. If you have rationalizations that you're doing uh, and you think you can improve upon those, great. If you want to send me an email at info at jvbwellness.com. That's info at jvbwellness.com. And tell me more about it. Love to hear about it. Take care.